Broadcasting live from the Dungeon of the Mad Mage on the Material Plane, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham and joining me is Nelson. Hi, I'm here. And James. What up? Cameron is off this week. I said we were broadcasting from the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, so we're going to talk a little bit about dungeons today and specifically how dungeons act in adventures in the forgotten realms but first get get out of your dungeon and get to card kingdom i don't know man yeah sure why not we're sponsored by card kingdom have been for ages because they're great go to cardkingdom.com slash lrr and buy yourself some cards because they got great prices and excellent customer service and preposterously fast shipping and you can tell them loading ready run sent me button please and they'll give you a little one inch button which right now says changelings are cowards even though there is a slight typo though there's a new batch that's been sent over to them so by the time you hear this and by the time you order you may get a different button who knows and also of course the show is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. So a big question that I had was, what are they going to do with dungeons? And the only reason that was a question is because when they announced Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which is the full name of the set, which is a bit of a mouthful. So I'm just going to start calling it AFR. That's okay. Yeah. They showed off Tiamat, the big five color dragon, and then said, now that's only half of it because it's the game is Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, you'll see what happens with dungeons later on. And it's like, whoa, whoa, huh? Okay. So there was a lot of different ideas and the mechanics article came out. And now normally I thought this was interesting, you know, get your, oh, what? Wow. I can't think of words today. Who needs them? We're experiencing a heat wave. The word for trying to figure out something in the future predict yeah i guess maybe that's that i i don't know if that's the word i was thinking of but that one works get your prediction engines ready for what this means but normally the mechanics article is like here's all the mechanics in the set right and it's like for kaldheim it was like look we got snow there's changelings there's foretell you know we're gonna lay out all the different like named mechanics that show up on a bunch of different cards in the set and this was dungeons here's how they work dragons yep there's dragons in the set that's it yeah, they mention ampersands and Matt Tabak just says no. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've already been disappointed by the like massive lack of ampersands so far on cards, especially for this set. So I'm hoping that they are going to hook us the ampersands up at some point. But <laughs> apparently not shutting down ampersands. Yeah, what that means is that technically speaking, I think Dungeons is the only like mechanic like named mechanic named new mechanic named new mechanic yeah. yeah you think so my assumption would be well they don't count flying and stuff like that as a mechanic yeah well I'm, i mean i guess that's what like i i assume the ever like i assume there'll be evergreen me- like flying sure but also like i maybe scry I, yeah. I don't know scry i think is an evergreen mechanic right now like you know we're gonna get to it but we see some more mechanics on these dungeons i mean i'm i'm super okay if there is no new mechanic outside of these dungeons, but there's mm-hmm. also normal returning mechanics like scry or prowess or whatever, right? Like sort of the more evergreen stuff that we are used to showing up in almost every set because it's just how the game works now, right? It's definitely what I expect. And yeah. And yeah. There's a card that got spoiled earlier we already talked about that makes a treasure token. You know, there's a lot of evergreen mechanics now or like or like mechanics that we're sort of assuming will be evergreen because they've been in like at least five sets or something. But I mean, I can also see this being a streamlined set mechanically since it is taking the calendar position of what would be the core set and also hoping to bring like it's clearly hoping to bring more people into Magic the Gathering. So maybe they're just 
maybe it's just not that mechanically complex for sure yeah so. i'm fine with that I, I i like these core sets with the bare minimum amount of like you know new fancy words or or no new mechanics at all yeah and just trying to make it you know often the draft environments are really elegant like they, they don't take that long to figure out if you're a an, an experienced player a veteran mm -hmm. you know if you've crawled several dungeons already through the planes of magic the gathering you probably can get through a course at draft and know exactly which mistakes you made by the end of it but it's still just nice i don't know i, I like that i like having some drafts in the summertime it's like okay yeah i i made these mistakes <laughs> this is how i punted this draft and there's no second level to it yeah i mean i'm gonna i gotta say like and i i figure we'll talk about these talk about each of these but i think there are some pretty interesting decisions to be made with these dungeon cards right like yeah they they are not just here's a dungeon card progress it through like you would a saga or something right like there it's a decision tree that you need to make and there are a lot i mean certainly one of them there are a lot of decisions that you can make that lead you down different paths which i think is really neat mm -hmm. i'm super stoked to see how that plays out in draft yeah so let's let's talk about what the dungeons are and what they do so there's three dungeons and they are magic cards they're not tokens they're magic cards in the same way that a contraption is a card yeah uh, there's been a lot of parallels drawn to contraptions from unstable yeah i guess it's like a contraption yeah and you have access to all three of them you don't have to draft them they 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 live sort of well they, they live in the command zone essentially is i think what they say in the article and there are cards in the set that will tell you to venture into the dungeon that's the that's the keyword phrase which 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 i love by the way i'm glad that they didn't try to make that into like a single word keyword i love that it's venture into the dungeon and when you venture into the dungeon you either put one of these three dungeons into play and you get to choose or you if you already have a dungeon in play you move to the next room so or i should say the first thing is you put a dungeon into play and move into the first room or you then move to the next room and the next room as james said could be there could be options so i mean i said we were from the dungeon of the mad mage so i guess we'll talk about that one so if you put that into play you enter the first room the yawning portal and you gain one life that's it so then the next time you venture you move to the second room of the dungeon of the mad mage which is called dungeon level and you scry one then you get to choose you can either go to a goblin bazaar and create a treasure token or the twisted caverns and target creature can't attack until your next turn then you move into the lost level and scry two then you can choose to either move into the runestone caverns to exile the top two cards of your library and you can play them or into Muiral's graveyard and create two two black uh, skeleton tokens then the paths converge again in the deep mines where you scry three and then finally the last room of the dungeon of the mad mage is the mad wizard's lair and you draw three cards and reveal them and you can cast one of them without paying its mana cost quick quirk i feel like you said create two two twos two one ones my bad yeah 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 can I also go back and correct you just to actually be that guy? I just think someone at home probably is going to be like, so you put it into play, but really they just, these cards are not in play. Yeah, they just they just hang out in the command zone, I think, or they're supposed to actually not, only one of them supposed to be in the command zone at once. So where the other ones go, I don't know. They exist outside the game in the ether. They're, I, I don't believe they're even in your sideboard. What Matt Tabak has said is that you, you just have access to them. Then you're correct. You get one and it lives in the command zone while you're traipsing through it so right the, the one that i just said is also the biggest because that's one two three four five six seven ventures to get all the way to the end room the other ones are both one two three four 
or one, two, three. If you pick a bad, if you pick a bad one to clear it more quickly. Well, that could be like the aristocrats one. Yeah. Well, that's to talk about it. So that's the tomb of annihilation. That's a classic. So the first room in that one is each player loses one life. And the last room is Cradle of the Death God, where you create the Atropal, a legendary 4-4 black god horror creature token with death touch. But to get there, either you take one path that has two rooms, so it takes more venturing to get there, which is each player loses two life unless they discard a card, and then each player loses two life unless they sacrifice an artifact, a creature, or land. Or you can go through the Oubliette and discard an artifact, a creature, and a land. And discard, yeah, right. Discard a card and then sacrifice a creature, artifact, or land, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Discard a card and then sacrifice, yes, all three of those things. So on the way here, on my bike ride to the, the base, I was trying to think about this room in particular and, like, whether or not there's already a deck in any format that's just hip to do all of these things like on turn four or five and it didn't immediately come to mind but i feel like sam black's mind is out there somewhere turning on this same problem and they'll come up with a solution and suddenly they'll be in the tomb of annihilation zombie deck or whatever plaguing legacy or something like that i'm curious do you need to do those in order to move into that room right if you don't have an artifact then you don't have to sacrifice an artifact yeah that's okay yeah so that's cool if, if you have no cards in your hand and no permanence in play you don't have to do anything yeah you just get to hang out in the oubliette for you know however long it takes you to venture into the final yeah yeah so the, you know there's been a bit of so we don't know how this is going to play i think this is going to be fine actually i think it's going to be awesome and limited i don't think it's going to make a big splash in standard but please prove me wrong the the sort of the the general negative reaction if there is one is that there's only and i'm using air quotes around only three dungeons but i think an excellent point that i saw brought up is that if you had more then that makes the first venture into a huge decision point right basically venture is a modal thing that's like choose one of these three yeah and every additional dungeon that you add in like increases the complexity of that initial modal choice greatly yeah so i think i think this is fine and they could always they could always return to this mechanic later and just add another you know like modern horizons 3 it'll be like by the way there's a fourth dungeon you know right yeah well and i think the other thing to keep in mind too is that not only is that first decision made harder if you add more cards but there's still decisions to be made within the actual dungeon dungeon itself right so like the dungeon of the mad mage is you know it doesn't necessarily need to play the same way every time that you venture into that dungeon right like sometimes it's going to make sense to go to the goblin bazaar and get that treasure token and sometimes it's going to make more sense to go to the twistern caverns which i think is kind of neat a design space that they played around with because i think it would have been very easy i guarantee you that at some point these were just essentially sagas where there was like you know three very linear choice or three linear effects and you just moved your way down them but instead of it happening automatically every turn with with a you know like a saga does you actually had to play a card to actually venture forward so the idea that you have to twist you have to make those decisions in the actual dungeon itself i think is super neat as well and something i'm pretty pretty excited to play around with especially in draft i think this is going to be kind of kind of unlike anything that we've had before which is great right like yeah this this is what i i want out of a limited format is cards like this that let me do fun weird things so there was a really interesting design article that i saw somebody link to discussing a mechanic that they tried to make work in war of the spark called skirmish which works 
the way that it's described in Rosewater's design article is very similar to this, where y- you bring in some sort of thing outside the game and then you progress through. It, 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 like this is a little, this is a skirmish you are having in the greater battle in War of the Spark and you progress your way through it. And then when you get to the end, you get a prize basically sort of thing. And I mean, he mentions in that article contraptions sort of showing that this kind of thing could work. And then they were working on skirmish and War of the Spark. And ultimately they didn't use it in War of the Spark. He said, not because it wasn't fun, like it worked and it was fun and it was a good mechanic, but it didn't actually do what we needed it to do for the set, right? Like it didn't actually support the set in the way that we thought. Right. And it i mean this again this sounds very similar to what he's describing in that original article and this makes sense right it's dungeons and dragons here's the dungeons this totally works for me yeah i think the flavor of it is is a knock out of the park although i will say i don't love looking at these cards that are all text but i'm sure there's <laughs> going to be tons of we've already seen like hella glorious art from this set and all these variants and stuff so sacrifices need to be made yeah yeah i've already seen people make very cool looking altars you know of these like very like fancy artistic interpretations I already saw someone like make one out of there's the there's the dungeon they're not called dungeon tiles but like the 3D walls and floor that you can use to like mix and match like Lego you can make like a mini map for your D&D figures someone used that to like make these layouts and was like look <laughs> I'm bringing this to the first magic fest I go to try and stop me you know oh that's sweet yeah that's awesome so that sounds that sounds super cool and and we also I should say we also saw a couple cards that let you venture into the dungeon so let's let's talk a little bit about those so the first one the flashiest one certainly is nadar selfless paladin i love this i didn't notice this but i again i saw somebody on the internet point this out that nadar is one of the i don't remember from what edition but it's one of the name it's the first name in the rule book as a suggested name for a dragon kin <laughs> that's awesome and apparently there's a couple other ones like that like i think actually Eliwick as well is like one of the you know it's like the the names from the like suggested if you're playing one of these creatures you could use this name and then they're taking those names and making them into actual people which i think is really cool so nadar self as paladin is two and a white for a three three dragon knight because he's he's a he's a dragonborn a legendary creature vigilance so three three vigilance for three already on board whenever nadar selfless paladin enters the battlefield or attacks venture into the dungeon very nice and then other creatures you control get plus one plus one as long as you have completed a dungeon yeah i dig that i dig the fact that you are rewarded beyond just whatever lays at the end of the dungeon and it actually translates into the game and and effects on cards and stuff like that which i think is great so yeah and so what's what's nice is even if this creature dies immediately right even the worst case where you cast i'm not, not talking about it being countered but if you cast it, enters the battlefield and is killed immediately, you still get to put a dungeon down. So you still get to either scry one, gain a life, or each player loses a life. Maybe you don't want that one, but you still get the first room of one of these dungeons. If you play Nadar and get to attack with Nadar, then you're already on the second room of a dungeon. That's That seems sweet. And yeah. what's, what's nice about that is that it's not like, it's like, yeah, it's a cool rare. It's a 3-3 three, three Vigilance for 3, which is fine, but it's not really good unless you can support it in this other way. Because you can. It, you can just do that, right? Like the, the thing that sort of like kicks it up to being a, a legendary creature and a rare doesn't actually require additional support like in draft you don't need to draft around that because you can just do it right this unlike some like if there's some other venture creatures that just enter the battlefield 
this venture into the dungeon and you just get it once you're going to want some sort of critical mass so that you can get through these dungeons especially if you're also playing cards that reward you like nadar also does you know with that last ability giving plus one plus one as long as you completed the dungeon you're going to want you know that to be like part of your strategy but i imagine there's gonna be several cards that do it more than once and we'll be seeing a lot of these decks venturing into the dungeon i mean mm-hmm. i i would assume that you know venture into the dungeon is going to be shared among all five colors it feels a lot like you know in terms of like you need this many to to make this work in terms of like lessons right from strixhaven where you needed you know you needed to feel like you had like i don't know eight nine ten learn cards to really take advantage of all the lessons that you can draft but here you don't even need to worry about drafting the lessons you just get the dungeons so i think that's kind of cool yeah they showed off a common as well the shortcut seeker great flavor there uh three and a blue for a two five human rogue whenever shortcut seeker deals combat damage to a player venture into the dungeon definitely less likely to reliably happen but nice that there are at least some common enablers. I'm disappointed they didn't make this a crab. Like, I get it. Because <laughs> it's a 2-5? Well, yeah, I just, I've had like a weird long-standing love affair with the three generic, one blue, 2-5 common. And it doesn't usually have an ability. Like, its ability is that it has five toughness, and it's always, almost always a crab. But this is like my favorite 23rd card in a draft deck, where I'm just like, well, you know, it blocks. This thing blocks four fours. You know, this mm-hmm. thing is going to like keep me alive until I can rip the extra flyer and get through in the air. You know, if I'm doing well enough, this thing might even attack. It's just it just is like training wheels. Yep. It just feels good to be stable and having crabs on your team. But I understand they needed to make it the rogue because it's the D&D set. Then they also showed off the Gloomstalker, which is two and a white for a two, three dwarf ranger that says as long as you have completed a dungeon, Gloomstalker has double strike. And that's just a static thing. You don't have to, they they say in the article, you don't have to control the Gloomstalker when you complete a dungeon. It's just once you complete a dungeon, meaning once the ability of the last room resolves, the dungeon is removed from the game and you just have like it's it's not like it's it's not an emblem but it's a thing i guess it's it's like city's blessing uh, yeah exactly. i was gonna say city's blessing exactly yeah i'm hoping they're gonna put a token in the cart in the packs that looks like the city's blessing but just like i completed the dungeon and all i got was this lousy t-shirt it'll probably on arena it'll probably show up in that little like effects zone yeah. on the left hand yeah. side the like little thing so yeah so this it's a two three for three which is fine again in draft it's fine but if it has double strike hey cool yeah so i mean i guess a lot of it will just sort of hinge on how many ways you can venture into a dungeon let's talk about the the third dungeon so the lost mine of fandelver so the first room is scry one and then you can choose one of two directions to the goblin lair to create a one one goblin creature token or the mine tunnels to create a treasure token and then from those two you can either reconverge at the dark pool where each opponent loses one life and you gain one life or from the goblin lair you can go into the storeroom where you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature from the mine tunnels you can go into the fungi cavern where a target creature gets minus four minus oh until your next turn and then all three of those rooms take you into the last room the temple of dumathoin where you draw a card so like what i like about these is that they're they're not big effects but i mean they're kind of free like you hope that they're kind of free right like nadar you would play just as a three three vigilance 
for three anyway. That's just a good card. The shortcut seeker, you know, maybe not. So like maybe this, I mean, like I would and Nelson would obviously, but you know, maybe you don't want to attack with shortcut seeker. This might encourage you to attack. It's like, well, you know, I might not attack with this, but if I do, I get to drain them for one and that's probably fine. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how, how good, it's not just how many there are, how many cards venture but like how good the cards would be otherwise to maintain these effects being a fun bonus rather than acting like these are a huge payoff for running an underwhelming card that just happens to say that you get to venture yeah certainly none of them none of the dungeons are going to be like a strategy in and of themselves they're all just like it's like a we said earlier but i want to reiterate a really interesting massive pile of decision trees with like lots of words on them and the ability to do lots of different things that might help you like making your opponent lose two life unless they discard getting a plus one plus one counter treasure you know drawing cards like and in different situations will have different you know levels of value of the effect but none of them none of these dungeons are like okay well i'm going to build a dungeon the mad mage deck right like i I don't think we're going to see that it's going to be like all in-game decisions and just yeah i agree the if we see venture cards that are really good without venture then those those cards will be good and i think we probably will see some of these cards in constructed yeah i mean they've already said i mean sort of like unofficially sheldon mennery in the commander discord said that they'll be legal in commander because there's no reason that they shouldn't be so there's that yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that they'll be legal in Canadian Highlander because I just don't see the problem. But they'll that'll be for the full council to decide, I suppose. We did ban Companion. We had a reason for that. Yeah, but there's not, they don't, they don't live in your sideboard because Canadian Highlander doesn't have a sideboard. Yeah, exactly. Gladiator yeah. doesn't have a sideboard, but these don't live in your sideboard. They just exist outside the game and you can get them. So I'm actually curious where these are going to live on Arena because we, we talked about completing the dungeon being a little icon, but maybe these will just sort of pop up every time you resolve venture yeah Yeah, i think whenever you resolve your first venture card it'll be like all right pick one of the three dungeons here you go i feel like on the board it'll probably live like where sagas and planeswalkers do i was gonna say live live over by the enchantment saga yeah right planeswalker area bottom right Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have two more here Uh, we have dungeon crawler which is a 2-1 zombie for one black. I'm in love already. The classic enters the battlefield tapped. And whenever you complete a dungeon, you may return dungeon crawler from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, good. The adventurers are gone. Now I can come back to life. So Nadar and the Gloomstalker and dungeon crawler all make me think that Wizards thinks that we're going to be completing dungeons like regularly enough to make these cards not terrible well yeah and that's the thing right because i i read this card and i i read nadar as well and i'm like how often are we expected to complete a dungeon in an average game of of limited in this format because when i first saw them i was like "Ah, okay this seems like a cool thing i'll probably do once I guess, but like this isn't like, but with Nadar, that's like a static, like once you've completed a dungeon, your other creature, your other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, right? And as long as you've completed a dungeon, Gloomstalker has double strike. You only need to ever complete one dungeon to turn those on. It's the same with the Cloister Gargoyle, which we'll talk about in a second. But with Dungeon Crawler, this is saying whenever you complete a dungeon, you can return it from your graveyard to your hand. Not even from the graveyard to your battlefield, which honestly probably seems fine to me as well. I guess maybe it's going to happen more than I think it is. Mm. Or maybe this is just a bad card. (laughs) Right. Well, well, hold, hold. 
pump the brakes here. Yeah. It's a two one for one. Yes. It, it can only be so bad. Like we can't even really call it bad. It would need to like come to play tapped and give your opponent a three three for it to be bad. Sure. Like coming into play tapped and being a two one for one black is already a stellar card. It's in like the top 100 best cards in magic that are in my Canadian Highlander deck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's only ever coming back like one time. Right. And that's I mean, it, and I mean, that's good right like i'll take it although you have to wonder how good a two one for one that comes in tapped is going to be by the time you're completing a dungeon in a yeah, game for of, sure. of limited like I, I can't see that having a massive impact but maybe it's good enough the other card that we got is cloister gargoyle this is a o4 gargoyle artifact creature for two and a white when it enters a battlefield venture into a dungeon and as long as you've completed a dungeon cloister gargoyle gets plus three plus o and has flying man so. again and this is another uncommon so they they definitely think we're gonna just churn through dungeons well there is one you can do in three right as long as you're willing to yeah. sacrifice a land and a creature and discard a card i mean yeah with like when you think about tomb of annihilation and something like nadar where it's just like okay on turn three i play nadar each player loses a life and i untap with nadar and i attack all of a sudden i can put myself in the oubliette and if i have something else to venture into a dungeon all of a sudden i'm done right like you just finish it in two turns so you know it it does feel like something you could do pretty quick. And also now you have a 4-4, which seems pretty good. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're going to give us like three mana, tap, add a mana of any color, pay two and sacrifice this, venture into the dungeon. Or or pay four and tap and venture into the dungeon, right? Maybe they're going to give us like yeah. one green, venture into the dungeon, the sorcery. I mean, turn one, dungeon crawler. Turn two, don't care. Turn three, Nadar. Turn four, Attack when the Dar, move to the Obliette, sacrifice the dungeon crawler, play another venture card, bring the crawler back. Feels good. Get a 4-4. Four, four. We're win. I just I just broke the format with those three cards. I did it. There you go. I'm a genius. Way to break magic in half. I did it. I'm the smartest magic player of all time. They could probably just stop spoiling the set. Let's move on to Innistrad. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> give, give us at least two podcast episodes of that one before you snap it in half, all right? Yeah, yeah. no problem, no problem. So they, they, did, they did show off a couple other things. They've released all the basic lands, which, as we mentioned, have flavor text. So that's cool. Not going to read them all out right now but that was neat on uh, in the same polygon article they also showed off they showed off a different variant art treatment for lands they showed off an evolving wilds that looks like the cover art for very old dungeons and dragons adventure modules and i mean i said as much on my twitter i i think these are ugly and i'm so happy i love them i need a bunch of these <laughs> these are great i also can't wait to pick these up i i look at this like 70s official tsr adventure module evolving wilds and i can feel i'm having the the weirdest memory right now i can feel the corduroy of the like sun faded like brown and orange couch that you know my family had in my childhood just like you know the the corduroy covered couch with where it would like on certain spots where you'd put your arm too often it was like wearing down and it was thin in some places it's like you look at this and you're like oh yeah they just built the the montreal metro and it's all got like cool you know cool lines of of many different shades of brown down there yeah it's yeah it's super cool they haven't i assume there's more than just evolving wilds they haven't shown any others i also assume that 
this particular one is purple because evolving wilds can go looking for any color of mana i i predict that if there's ones that tap for specific colors of mana that that'll be reflected in the color of the of the art but yeah i mean like obviously these are these look nothing like magic cards cue the rhystic studies video which you should all go watch if you haven't already on magic card frames and there's like extraneous text like an adventure for characters levels one to four but god i <laughs> There's, this is so in the weeds. I love it so much. Yeah, I I am a big fan. I I know it keeps in you know it it it, is, it looks exactly like the old D and D books, which is great. I've never been a big fan. Uh, uh, I love borders. I'm a big fan of borders, just to break up the image right on top of the on the purple base of the card and i saw somebody do up just a really nice just fine black border and i just liked it infinitely more it just felt a little bit more clean and modern but yeah overall i think these are fantastic these are these are these are the exact kind of cards that i look at and i go i want to collect all of those and frame them but i never do <laughs> hmm. yeah like i've done it with every other you know even with the mystical archives i was like ooh, i want to collect all of those and frame them i never did that i never will it's the same for this i probably won't I could see myself getting a few of them depending on what other uh, cards exist in this uh, in this treatment but I do love it I think it's great I think cool. I probably brought this up last year and the year before too but like hopefully sometime soon especially after we're back to playing a magic fest there'll be a, a big update to the official tournament policy on which altars are allowed in tournaments and which aren't because <laughs> in the current wording it's like well if you have someone paint on your card and it no longer resembles that card like that card's art then you're not allowed to do that or if you like you know if the if the name is uh obscured or like if uh, the type line is obscured that's not okay and it's like well now they have all these variants that are official and they printed them and like you know like the secret layer rock poster ones that i really love and and this they just don't look anything like a magic card at all that's yeah i remember i can't remember who somebody mentioned sort of losing glanceability on this card the other day and i was like i i feel like that ship sailed about six secret layers ago like we are (laughs) so far past you know glanceability on magic cards at this point like official magic cards that yeah Mm -hmm. we do need to make sure that the mtr is back in like 2017 though (laughs) yeah especially with bigger events i think that is that is fair just you know being very clear about these ridiculous looking cards because like you're going to run into game after game at, at GPs where there are thousands of people and some are going to sit down across from this card and be like, what is that? Like, I've never seen that before. That's not a magic card. <laughs> For sure. That said, I they, they did a secret layer of extra cards for the Mystical Archive, right? In the same sort of style yes. as all the Mystical Archive cards with like All is Dust and Drown in the Lock and whatever in it. And yep. I, I definitely hope that they do like a secret layer with like more classic old school magic lands with this treatment. Yeah, that'd be sweet. All right, one more card to talk about that's been spoiled before we wrap up for the day. A Planeswalker and a brand new character character obviously you know we've seen like we've got dritzed and lolf and we've you know classic DD characters this is a character that apparently is featuring in a forthcoming dungeons and dragons adventure this is the bard elliwick tumblestrum which is definitely sounds like a name that somebody would make up for their bard and she's a planeswalker for the purposes of magic anyway two green green for four loyalty Sounds great. Plus one, venture into the dungeon. Hey, like it. All right. Minus two, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. If it's legendary, you gain three life. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I like that as the bard supporting the party. Right. Right. That it's like, if, you know, if the, if it's a legendary creature, then, you know, there's a benefit. Like she's singing a better song, I guess. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control, have trample and 
and haste and get plus two plus two for each differently named dungeon you've completed so best case and it seems i mean the, the emblem would update as you as you go right but yeah so best case this is plus six plus six with trample i feel like they'll probably concede before that happens but even just i mean even just worst case you know plus two plus two and trample i mean the overrun is no joke and this is a little worse but it's still good no no they get haste it's i yeah. mean that yeah. oh god they do they get yeah. haste so it's like it's yeah it's not plus three plus three but it's still really good yeah i mean i guess like worst like worst worst case is they actually only get trample and haste and you haven't yet completed a dungeon but oh that's right you can minus seven to get Eliwick up to to get if you play Eliwick and point her up to eight loyalty so that when you minus seven she doesn't die yeah you would have completed one of the one of the two dungeons that aren't the dungeon of the mad mage by that point yeah so you know but technically speaking you could get the emblem without having completed a dungeon but that seems again i i feel like this is going to be one of those things like uh, one of those big ugin ultimates that's like it wins you the game you never actually do it but it technically wins you the game because it's like i i'm gonna ultimate my planeswalker and your opponent's like all right cool well uh, let's go to game two of that yeah so i just wanted to say like again about venture into the dungeon oh also i didn't say this before but this this thing is four words long and you were saying you love that i kind of low-key hated oh yeah yeah well i guess they they used adventure in uh throne of eldraine already also also because we we found out that this set only has this one mechanic that means we aren't going to get adventure cards and we aren't going to get party cards in this set and we had been wondering about that right at least uh, if, right if they didn't feel the need to tell us that in the mechanics article but maybe maybe when the full spoiler is done we'll find out but yeah it's like i just feel weird that it's so many words because so few keyword abilities are like there's first strike and double strike that i can think of but are there any other that are like even two or three words yeah it's okay anyways i i think if there's enough cards that are nadar and eliwick where you very easily can repeat venturing into the dungeon then certainly there'll be there'll be constructed decks that are kind of built around venturing into the dungeon and do play like a uh critical mass of of these solid venture into the dungeon cards because you know completing the dungeons all have a it's a, a reasonable reward right like you're drawing cards you're making four fours and you're casting free spells so yeah and i think eliwick certainly like you know plus one to venture into the dungeon that's nice that's all yeah i just think like we've seen you know the rare and the mythic here like could definitely get into constructed decks yeah i i think she seems sweet i'm i continue to be more and more excited about this set yeah i'm really stoked it's coming to arena yes <laughs> also that but hey if arena is not your thing check out cardking.com and go to dot com forward slash lrr to let them know we sent you and you'll get a one a little one inch button if you ask for it that says changelings are cowards although apparently there's a typo changelings also can't spell changelings can't spell and neither can we yeah. we're in canada everything has three u's in it changeling yeah that's right changelings yeah they, they're gonna ship your sealed product from uh non-standard sets anywhere in the world singles anywhere in the world and new sealed product only in the united states but whatever you're getting they will do it super quickly you'll think that they used a portable hole network to magic your cards to you through another dimension but really they just shipped it. wow that was a really unfunny joke about shipping <laughs> to try to help nelson write better jokes about shipping in the future continue to support us over at patreon.com forward slash loading ready run we need to feed nelson more food or hydrate him better during this heat wave get him some power aid 
I went through two vitamin waters while we were recording this, but clearly it's not enough. So thank you for your support. Please continue to support us so that hopefully our brains work and yeah. we can write great jokes. Graham, is there any other business? No, that that is going to do it. Until next time on Tap Tap Concede, I've been Graham, joined by Nelson. Yep. And James. Bye. Who was also running the card reader. Jordan edits these. Heather gets them online. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.